Hey y'all, it's K-Bird Tweets, and this is Peace, Love, and Baseball. everyone. It's the day of the show, y'all, as they say in the biz. Hey, make no mistake, it is Tuesday. Aren't the Golden Globes usually on a Sunday? They are. Okay, first of all, they are on a Tuesday this year because they cannot conflict with America's first love, Sunday night football. Duh. But there were no Golden Globes last year. Remember? I didn't remember. Well, there were no attendees and it did not air. So let's talk a little Golden Globes drama before we get into the latest MLB headlines. Here is the ice cold tea on the Golden Globes in case you missed it. So in February of 2021, the Los Angeles Times reported that none of the Hollywood Forum Press Association's 87 voting journalists, so these are the 87 people who vote on the Golden Globe Awards, none of them were black. This was on top of the fact that the Hollywood Forum Press Association had largely ignored the critically acclaimed projects by artists of color at the 2021 Golden Globe Awards. So that was already kind of out there kind of rumblings, unhappiness, you know, some shade towards the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. This prompted NBC to bail on airing the awards moving forward. Then Tom Cruise, baby, three-time Golden Globe winner Tom Cruise, he returned his Golden Globe trophies in protest, and studios and publicists all over the place were threatening to boycott the Hollywood Foreign Press Association as a whole, So the 2022 pandemic-era Golden Globes, they happened. There were still awards that were awarded, but there was no audience. There was no nominees in attendance. It did not air. So, like, didn't happen. This year, in one of a few nods that the Hollywood Forum Press Association is nodding (laughs) towards their diversity woes, their host is a black stand-up comedian this year. His name is Jared Carmichael. He also came out as gay last year. In October of 2021, the Hollywood Forum Press, obviously, by that point, they have vowed to improve their representation because they want to stay relevant, want people to come back and attend their awards. They announced that they were adding 21 new members. Of those 21 new members, six of them are black, six are Latin, five are Asian, four are Middle Eastern or North African. So now the big question is, which A-list stars are going to show up? Are they going to address this controversy? Are they going to address the way that it's been handled by the Hollywood Forum Press Association? Sounds like some juicy red carpet viewing to me. I think it's airing on Peacock this year. I mean, that's NBC, right? Yeah. So, you know, you'll probably have to like get a free trial subscription or sign up for something for one of these streaming services. It seems like there's a different one that pops up every time there's an award show or some special event that we want to watch. So good luck figuring that out. I'll be right there with you. So Tom Cruise was uh, noticeably not nominated for a Golden Globe this year for his performance in Top Gun Maverick. So high drama all around. 
I'm just going to give a quick recommendation on one movie and one TV show that have some Golden Globe buzz. I haven't seen them all, so all I'm really saying is, like, I can tell you that these two watches are worth your time because I thought they were worth my time. The first is the TV show called The Bear. It was nominated for Best Musical or Comedy Series. It's not a musical. It's like a dramedy, actually. It's got some good substance to it, but it stars Jeremy Allen White, and it is watchable on Hulu. I believe there are eight episodes, and each of them are roughly 30 minutes long. It's definitely like significantly less than an hour each episode. And these episodes had me experience something that I can't really say I have had before, where I felt like... 30 minutes was longer than it was, which normally I would not consider a particularly like good thing, but it was not because I was like wanting it to be over. In fact, quite the opposite. I was like, give me 30 more minutes or however long this was, but it was because it felt like they told so much in each episode and each episode really moved the story forward so well. The writing and the directing is so good along with the performances Oh, and it's about a young chef from the fine dining world who moves home to run his family's small business sandwich shop. And as I'm telling you this, I'm realizing that my movie recommendation is also about a chef. But yeah, so if you have ever worked in a restaurant, you will appreciate so many of the nuances in The Bear. And even if you haven't, the story is very compelling. The characters are developed in a way that pulls you in with them and it's easily one of the best shows that I've seen in quite a while not here to give spoiler alerts so that's all I'm gonna say but I can't wait for season two yes chef yes chef to the bear check it out okay another chef that you're gonna want to check out is a movie that is now streaming on HBO Max I guess it came out in theaters a while ago I don't know so maybe you've already seen it but I missed that memo, and I watched it on HBO Max. I actually watched this movie twice because I liked it so much the first time that I told my husband he needed to watch it, and I watched it again with him a few days later. I mentioned that because it's very rare for me to want to watch any movie again, really ever. Like, I'm not a big re-watcher of films, but especially in such close proximity. So the movie is actually not nominated for a Golden Globe, which I thought was interesting because obviously I thought it was great. But I think it is because of the fact that it doesn't really fit into a category. The lead actor and actress are nominated in the lead in a musical or comedy category. But it, it really doesn't feel right to say that it's a comedy. It's very obviously not a musical. It does have some amazing humor in it, but the HBO description lists it as a horrific satire, and that is super accurate. Horror movies do not typically find a place in these award shows. Anyway, I don't care what the Hollywood Foreign Press says. You're going to watch this. You're going to love it. As an artist, I think I had some takeaways that might be specific to that. Uh, But regardless of your walk of life, this movie is just good. It's entertaining. I had a friend who said it was like a table read on film, 
which if you have not heard of that term, it is where there's like an organized reading of the screenplay by the actors or a script or whatever, whatever piece of work they're working on. That's like one of the first things they do when they all get cast and they meet up. He definitely meant this as a compliment in the sentiment that the whole movie nearly takes place in one relatively small space. So there's not a ton of like blocking or action overall. And the performances are highlighted within the story that highlights some really topical themes. It's a very unique movie, but if you've ever worked as an artist or in the service industry, hospitality, or even in customer service, you will feel so seen by this movie in maybe some weird ways. But particularly if you have ever aspired to work at the higher levels of these professions, and perhaps like someone that I know um, realized that it only comes with sacrificing many of the other things that you want. It's me. And it's even like, what you really want and you sacrifice all those things to get there, you think it's what you really want? Like, is it what you really want? If you sacrifice all those things and you get there. You know? Heavy stuff. It's told in a very creative and fascinating way. Maybe you'll have a different takeaway from it. Let me know. But check it out. And let me know what you think. Make yourself a cheeseburger for dinner while you watch. I don't think that's a spoiler. But you'll get it. Just trust me, we could all use a good cheeseburger from time to time. Man, now I want one again, even though I had them the past two days. Okay, let me wrap this up by saying that I am not one to speak on the representation conversation, clearly. I simply can't appreciate its full importance in the same way that others who are a part of these underrepresented groups can, but it is important. It is a long, ongoing conversation and level of awareness for us all in so many facets in this country, but specifically in the entertainment space. I find myself so anxious to get to a place where we don't have to talk about it because everyone is just represented and we can stop singling out or highlighting anyone because ultimately it's the same thing, right? Like we're trying to eliminate that of having to single anyone out because we can just actually all be equal and equally represented. Obviously, that's a very idealistic and naive take, and I know that. But I'll just say that, so I watched Beauty and the Beast live, that special recently. You know, Josh Groban and her starred in it. Well, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that overall I hated it because I hate the concept of it. It just, it wasn't at all what I expected or like personally wanted it to be. It's called Live, and there were literally, there, not, not one live note was sung. Uh, and I'm a snob, so I could not get past that. But I have to say that I got emotional at the end when I realized how nothing about the diversity in that cast was shoved in our faces. It just was what it was. And here was this group of people all together representing the amazing diversity of the country that we live in in a way that didn't feel forced or even all that intentional, though I'm sure it was. It was awesome, and it was so important. So get it together, Hollywood. And 
that's enough about that for now. MLB headlines. It's baseball time, folks. The last we spoke on peace, love, and baseball of Carlos Correa, I was like, yeah, the Giants signed him until he's 41 and he won't play until then, but it's all a work around the luxury tax, blah, blah, blah. And if only that was still the most interesting part of Carlos Correa's free agency. It is truly now a saga. Let's catch up, shall we? So that fateful Tuesday before Christmas, Correa's press conference announcing his signing with the San Francisco Giants was canceled that morning. It was just a few hours before it was set to take place. Canceled. Less than 24 hours later, it is announced that Correa has reached a new deal with the New York Mets. Pardon me while I puke. Wait, Kelsey, don't the Mets already have a $341 million shortstop? Why, yes, they do, informed baseball fan. Yes, they do. Correa can just play third base, though. Like, duh, because it's like no big deal to just move position players around, even though, yes, it's absolutely it is a big deal. You won't have to take my word for it, Padres, okay? So WTF happened with the Giants. So when a player agrees to a deal, it is always pending a physical. They go and get all kinds of tests done and MRIs of everything evaluated, and then the doctors advise the team based on those results and like what the team is agreeing to with the player. In this case, 13 years, baby, 350 mil guaranteed. Now, I don't necessarily have the deepest knowledge and understanding of these contracts and contract language and all that. But I do know that one of the biggest differences in player contracts in Major League Baseball versus like the NFL and NBA is in guaranteed money. So Carlos Correa is getting paid. And Scott Boris, his agent, is getting paid regardless of a lot of things And in this case, the doctor is telling old Charlie B. Johnson, the owner of the Giants, that there's clearly a major concern that they won't get near the bang for their buck with this Correa contract. Now, Correa's agent, Scott Boris, has quite the reputation. He only deals directly with owners. He insists on speaking at press conferences for his players, and he does not negotiate. He doesn't play nice. Uh, In this case, I truly believe this rich white man thinks so much of himself and his bag of tricks that he can convince owners and baseball execs to take his word of his player's value over the top medical professionals in our country. Or he just can somehow work around like it's worth it anyway. Uh, I don't know. So Boris gonna bore us here. He says, you have had plenty of time to think this over. I gave you reasonable time. And since you can't commit, I got to talk to other teams. Sorry, Charlie. Don't let the balloon touch the ground. The smoke hasn't settled. Get the mirrors back out. Keep tap dancing, Scott. At this point, he's already talked to other teams. He literally texted Steve Cohen. Yeah, our favorite billionaire owner who's thieving fun from baseball. He texted him, 
Koreamus may have come early. Mm-hmm. What is more predictable at this point than Steve Cohen chomping at this bit and committing to another massive deal despite very real and obvious issues? Not surprised, but Cohen had to get some kind of win here in this deal with Korea because, like, the Giants are clearly no longer offering this $350 million deal that was announced. So the Mets deal is 11 years. It's $315 million. What a steal. Then Steve Cohen made more really great business decisions when he spoke publicly about the Korea deal. Yeah. So there's a reason that baseball executives do not speak on these deals until they're official. You know, you'll see, like Jeff Passan and Ken Rosenthal, they announce that a deal has been made, and then the team doesn't announce it for, like, days later, sometimes even weeks later, until it's official. Because guess what? Steve Cohen's doctors came back after that Korea physical, the one he had to have for the Mets, still pending physical, with the same concerns on a massive long-term deal for our guy, Carlos. Uh Uh-oh, Steve. By the way, what is the medical concern for, for Carlos Correa? We did glean a bit of insight. So here is what we know per CBS Sports. Correa had a significant injury to his right leg when he was a minor league player in the Houston Astros system years ago. He had to have surgery as a result, and as part of that process, there was an installation of a plate near his ankle. So he's got a plate in his lower leg. Correa hasn't required any injured list time because of this leg injury specifically, but the point of the physicals are to be predictive rather than prescriptive. So they're not saying, like, this is currently an issue. The doctors are looking ahead to see what could potentially come up and, you know, not get the team the value of the player that they're committing to. So in this case, the doctors could be justified in highlighting Correa's leg as an area of concern. But, you know, also who's to say that Correa can't stay relatively healthy regardless of the plate? You just don't know. The doctors obviously know more about these odds than we do. This is where we also just do not have enough information to weigh in one way or another. So alas, we are still waiting to see where Correa will end up, what revised language Boris may have to agree to in a contract to get him the long-term deal that they are so adamant to get. It's been a wild ride, and we're still on it. But at some point, the monkey has to stop dancing because Correa does need a paycheck. And he's a great player, so... We'll see. Oh, what a circus. Oh, what a show. Speaking of which, the other big headline in Major League Baseball this past week surrounds former Dodgers pitcher Trevor Bauer. I got to be honest, I'm not looking to give this dude like a lot of airtime, so I'm going to give you the cliff notes. 
Bauer was suspended for two full seasons, 324 games, uh, due to sexual misconduct allegations, which he firmly denies. Well, to clarify, he doesn't deny that he was very violent with these women. He just insists that it was consensual. Cool, cool. But MLB did a full nine-month-long investigation they did not release their findings, and surely a lot of that has to do with the confidentiality provisions of their domestic violence policy. So Bauer didn't play in the 2022 season. He was serving his suspension. And recently, a third-party arbitrator was brought in to reevaluate his suspension. It was ultimately shortened to 194 games. It's still the longest suspension under this policy ever in Major League Baseball. But... He has 50 games left now to serve in the 2023 season. And after that, he would become immediately eligible to play. He is mid-contract with the Dodgers, who said, eh, we'd rather pay you $22.5 million to not be on our team because you're a creep and you were an immature pain in the ass even before all of this. So they designated him for assignment. He will be released from the team. And now this means that he will be a free agent and any MLB team can sign him. Speculation is that surely they would sign him at the league minimum, considering that he's going to make that $22.5 million either way. And there's great speculation over whether or not teams will be interested in him. My take, not a chance. Especially an organization like the St. Louis Cardinals, not a chance that they take that PR hit. I'm going to associate my take on this from the opposite situation. Let's just see how this goes. So there are many fans who believe that signing Adam Wainwright to his deal for 2023 is going to hurt the Cardinals' chances and that money could have been better spent elsewhere. Considering the likelihood of Wayno having a season even like what a player like Jose Quintana could have had in 2023. I do not necessarily disagree with that. But I am not surprised in the slightest because here's the thing. There is a 1 in 29 chance that the Cardinals or that any team wins the World Series every year. Yeah. And once you get to the postseason, like, we all know it's anybody's run to go on. You know what's much more guaranteed? Adam Wainwright themed days and and giveaways and a retirement tour for the ages to bring in all those dollars to Bush, y'all. It is always about the Benjamins, baby. Adam Wainwright will make the St. Louis Cardinals more money in 2023 with him than without him. And that is a guarantee. And hey, if they win too, even better. So with Trevor Bauer, honestly, I'm like feeling sick to my stomach. Feels so wrong to even mention Arwayno in the same segment as Dirtbag Bauer. So let's just get on and get over it. Bauer is not worth it. Too much risk, no guaranteed reward. He hasn't played since June of 2021. And he's notoriously a jerk in the clubhouse. He's a bad teammate. Honestly, the Cardinals wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole even without these allegations. Not a fit. 
Not a fit for Major League Baseball. Too bad, so sad. Bye, Trevor Bauer. So yeah, I'm already talking about the Cardinals, but uh, here's our Cardinals updates section. Yeah, I could not even get through that without bringing on the Cardinals. So let's do a quick little Cardinals corner, shall we? Cardinals updates. Where we at, Mo? Mm. Well, President of Baseball Operations, John Mozeliak, basically told us not to expect much else this offseason. He pointed out that they have indeed increased the payroll from last year, like he said he would. And he also said, and I quote, just because you have the resources, you aren't going to just go spend it wildly on something that doesn't make sense. Guys, he's right. I'm with Mo. Don't come for me. He's just right. If there was something that really seemed like the Cardinals were missing out on, I'd be the first to rally. But sometimes the best and the most difficult thing to do is to stay still, to wait it out, to be patient, to wait for the right thing to come. And part of waiting for the right thing to come means passing on the wrong opportunities. This also had me reflecting on what one of my Cubs fan friends told me, or told us a few weeks ago, back when we were speculating whether the Cubs would sign one of the free agent shortstops. So this particular fan had said that he did not want to see them make an unnecessary free agent signing and instead to invest more in their upcoming talent. So this is the angle that the Cardinals are taking for sure. And yes, it's it's predictable for the Cardinals. It's the Cardinal way. But it ain't wrong. Again, second most championships in all of baseball. A real chance to win it practically every year. And hello, have you checked out the farm system lately? I'm in. There is a lot to be excited about. And by no means do I think there is a glaring missed opportunity here by the front office. Sometimes the right opportunity, it's just not there yet. You can't force it. Maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, but I'm with Mo. Pour me another glass. So not a ton going on, new news-wise, in the world of Cardinals baseball. But we also did learn this week that Brad Thompson, my guy, BT, he is going to be taking on a bigger role with the Bally Sports broadcast team for the upcoming season. Now, he did clarify that it will not be the play-by-play role. Guys, play-by-play is like a specific skill set, right? So they can't just pick Adam Wainwright off the mound and have him call a game play-by-play. The former players are our color analysts. But anyway, yeah, you know what it could mean, though? It could mean old Jimmy Ball game. Jim Edmonds might just be done in the booth. I'm knocking on all the wood. Personally, I think that would be for the best. That would be my preference. Man, I love Brad Thompson. I always tend to enjoy former pitchers who are analysts the most. And I'm not sure exactly why that is, but it's definitely a thing. They see the game in a different way, for sure. So go BT! I truly have no idea who we can anticipate for the TV play-by-play voice. I really don't. My best guess is Ricky Horton, because he's in-house. He's good, 
really he is. We're not going to replace Danny Mac overnight. It still hurts. It's not going to be the same, but Rick is more than a suitable option. He's still ahead of the curve, in my opinion. Why am I doing this podcast, you guys? I need to be working on my play-by-play. Okay, I got to go. Just kidding. I have to yap at you about one more thing. So it's the time of year, whether you like it or not, that many people are recommitting or starting their fitness and wellness journeys. It's like all of the holidays, right? Like we all feel that pressure of the media. So even if you're like, I'm not going to set myself up to fail. I don't need to put this pressure on myself that it's a new year, new me, like resolution starts Monday. Like we don't have to do that. I'm not pressuring you to do that, but uh, we all feel it. It's like so real. So good for you, whatever time of year or whatever day of the week you decide to do something that's going to better your life and the life of those around you. Now, I have had a few different fitness and wellness guests on the podcast to share their expertise. But like, this is one of the few things in the world that I actually do know something about. I have spent the last decade working in fitness. I even have some fancy certifications that tell you on paper that I know what I'm talking about. And I think I've shied away from sharing tips or whatever from myself for the most part, because if you are at all deep in the fitness world, even a little bit, there is an ungodly amount of information, different schools of thought, of science that contradicts itself, and you can absolutely positively find an article out there somewhere that will confidently state the opposite of whatever I am going to tell you that I think. That's just the way the internet works, okay? There is this term called confirmation bias, which I've been thinking a lot about recently. It essentially means that if you believe something, you can find sources and are more open to finding and digesting information that confirms what you already believe to be true or what you want to be true, right? So really basic example My husband had a personal training and nutrition client who really did not want to drink water in the mornings like he was suggesting. She just wanted to have her cup of coffee. She said that drinking water in the morning made her feel sick. She did not want to try it. She did not want to work it into her routine. So she sends him an article about how coffee does not dehydrate you. What? Okay, first of all, Caffeine dehydrates you. It does. Hard stop. But like, (laughs) he wasn't even saying, do not have your coffee. Just drink some damn water with it. Kind of a silly example, but you get it. If you really want to prove me wrong, you will absolutely find something out there that says I'm wrong. I'm right. Thank you, internet. But really, with all the info out there, it is really hard to know what to believe or even what's worth your time. There's that paralysis by analysis, right? So look, I am not here to argue about the nitty gritty of your workout choices, but I do have some good general tips that I believe do apply to the general public. And that includes me, good old gen pop. Those of us over here just trying to keep our heart healthy, 
stay in that average body fat range to keep the visceral fat. That's the fat that's like on your organs. It's the bad stuff. We want to keep it down. We want to be strong and coordinated enough to just live life well. So here's your workout tip of the week. Take it or leave it. Most of us are doing some combination of strength training and cardio. I guess that's my first tip. You should do some of both. I could go down a big old rabbit hole here and get more detailed with programming. And please, if that is something that you would be interested in, hit me up, let me know, give me some feedback because we can absolutely do that. I am a total nerd when it comes to programming and how impactful it can be to do what, when, and all of that. But for today, We're keeping this first workout tip pretty basic. We want it to apply to as many people as possible. And a lot of times, things that you're going to see out there are really specific to specific goals. Okay, here we go. Do your cardio after your strength training. If your goal is burning fat, losing weight, and or getting stronger... So yeah, that's like what a very large majority of us who are not training for something specific are working towards. Burning fat, losing weight, maintaining weight loss, and or getting stronger. That's the goal. You're going to do your weights first, and you're going to do your cardio second, especially if you're doing high-intensity cardio. I'm not going to get all like heady and get too deep into the science with it, but man, I bring it up because... It's an easy thing to change, especially when I was a coach at Orange Theory years ago. It drove me nuts that everybody always wanted to start on the treadmill when it's much more effective for most of us and our goals to do the floor and weight training work first. Going back and forth like a HIIT style workout can also be effective in some ways more than others. Again, not here to debate that in detail today. But the facts are that you will build strength much more effectively if you are not calorically depleted post-cardio. And you will burn more fat in your cardio if you strength train prior to cardio. You will also decrease your risk of injury by warming up and doing weight training first before your cardio. And then you're reducing the risk of injury during cardio Because the body is engaged and it's working more optimally during your cardio, which is also the reason you burn more fat, if you strength train first. That's it. That's that's all I got for you. Pump a little iron or do your mobility work first and then hit the bike or the elliptical or go for a walk. Strength, then cardio. Then refuel that beautiful body, please. Come at me, bro. All right, now I'm I'm really done, I think. Are you going to watch the Globes tonight? I love award shows. I can't help it. And, you know, there's no baseball, so it's not like I have anything better to do. Not like I'm going to watch football. Not a chance. By the way, so happy to hear that DeMar Hamlin is making an incredible progress after the horror of his collapse during the Bills-Bengals game last night. Whether or not you're a football fan or not, that really transcended everything and we all were made aware of it but all the good vibes he's got him from here he's got him from there from everywhere it's crazy I think less than 48 hours before that happened I was with my family on 
New Year's weekend. And I had said, like, we're sitting around watching football, that the reason that I think I've never really gotten into football is that I can't seem to get past the fact that all these guys are just trying to hit each other as hard as possible, and it freaks me out. Anyway, I, I know, not relevant. I'm not here to trash football, but I'm so glad to hear that he is doing well, and we sure hope that it stays that way. Have a wonderful week watching the bear, the menu, speculating where Carlos Correa will actually sign, and doing your strength training before your cardio. I'll see you next time, friends. Peace, love, baseball. Bye.